Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So what's going on, champ? Nothing much, you know. Just finished working out. A little something slight. See, now you're downplaying yourself because I just saw on Twitter you're hanging out with the mayor of Florida. What's going on down there? <laughs> oh, you know, I try to keep breezy. <laughs> what were you discussing with the mayor? Oh, we were just talking about, um, you know, the city and how how I could give back to the community. You know, I do a lot in D.C. as well as my hometown. I try to give back to the community because, you know, I'm from here. I was born and raised in, you know, some of the impoverished areas of Fort Myers. So we were just discussing how I could give back to, you know, to the youth. Here's what I'm worried about. You've been a police officer only a couple of years. How do you get off Christmas and New Year's there, Officer Brown? Who do you know on the force that you get off those good holidays? Oh, well, actually, I, I'll be on a flight in a few hours. I have to work on, uh, <laughs> I have to work Tuesday, so I got to hear and get back. No cops get off on New Year's Eve. Never, right? Never, never, ever. <laughs> I've had on, I've been very lucky to have astronauts on the show, Super Bowl champions, a ton of boxers, and I really think you're one of the most fascinating people I've had on, and I'll tell you why. Everyone knows you're this undefeated boxer, and I just mentioned you're a police officer. How'd this whole thing come about? Like, that's incredible. You patrol the streets of Washington, D.C., and yet you're a 10-0 undefeated boxer. Is that incredible? It is, and you know what? Some people that have known me, like, half my life, don't even know that I'm a police officer still. I'm like, how did you not know this? <laughs> You're like, you don't seem like a cop. Well, how do I seem? Isn't that the greatest compliment sometimes, though, when people say that, like, you don't seem like a cop. It's like, well, I don't even know what that means, but I guess thank you. I don't know. Yeah, like, I guess that's a good thing if you're saying I don't seem like one. All right, so let's get the backstory. You just mentioned you're down in Florida. So you grew up down there in Florida? Yes, I grew up in Fort Myers. I went to Fort Myers Middle as well as Fort Myers High School. Now, a lot of boxes I've had on had uh, rough upbringings. How about yours? Were yours rough, normal upbringing? How did yours go? Um, from the neighborhood that we grew up in, I, yeah, it was a pretty rough neighborhood. Okay. And how about family life and all that? All that was good? Or like some people get into the ring because they want to take out their aggression or if they want something else. What brought you to the ring? Well, I never really had aggression. I had two older box. I had two older cousins that were boxers and like I did all the sports in middle school, high school. I ran track, cross country, basketball. I went to college on a full ride scholarship for cross country for four years, actually. But I started boxing back when I was like 13. My cousins used to fight. And then like, I noticed that they weren't getting in trouble for fighting. Okay. So I was like, wow, you know, every time I was fighting, I was getting in trouble for it, <laughs> but they're fighting and it's cool. So, you know, I started boxing. <laughs> Wait, you, you mentioned basketball, track and field, boxing. So it seems you're an average athlete. Where'd you go to school, college? I went to Columbus State University out of Columbus, Georgia. Did you have a lot of offers? Yeah, I had a lot of offers from Florida, but I wanted to go out, you know. Um, I'm actually the first in my family to graduate with a bachelor's degree. I have a really big family. My great-grandmother had 11 kids, so I have a huge family. Well, yeah, really Congratulations. Big family. Congratulations on the degree. 
Thank you. Thank you. So now finish the steps for me. Fort Myers, Florida. You had to get away, Georgia. And then now, yep. where, how'd you get to D.C.? That's a long transition, an athlete right. from the South going up to D.C. I know. And, you know, what initially happened was when I graduated from college, I came back home and I just started, I was only focusing on boxing. Um, so then I actually got recruited by this, by this coach in D.C. He was one of the Olympic coaches. Um, his name was Barry Hunter with the Headbangers. And so I started going from here, Fort Myers, to D.C., like during the summertime to train with them. And they talked me into moving there. And then I stayed there. You know, I'm on the USA team. So it's like I'm never really in one place. I'm just traveling the world, fighting, competing, representing the flag. And then I eventually got a job with NPD. You know, I was like, well, I'm here in D.C. I have a degree in criminal justice. I might as well become a cop. I, I, I dig you already. I'll tell you why. Because you downplay stuff. Because you, weren't you the 2019 like police officer of the year? You just show. <laughs> yeah, you're showing off now. Full rights and scholarship, ten <laughs> six knockouts in boxing, and you became the police officer of the year. Uh, what constituted that? What did you do that uh, brought the uh, attention to you? I do downplay it, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know it it amazes me because. I, I'm police officer of the year out of 3,000 police officers in D.C. That's a big thing. But to me, I'm just like, oh, wow, that's great. But I don't really talk about it much. It's like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't talk about a lot of my accomplishments uh, because, you know, I like to be humble. I don't want anyone to think that I think I'm better than someone else because I don't think that at all. But I did get police officer of the year because I, I give a lot back to the community. I do a lot of community work, you know, um, like uh, last week I did this, I started this thing called, I want to start something called the help movement and it's geared toward the homeless people. I have a really soft spot in my heart for homeless, homelessness, you know, because this is America, the richest nation in the world and Washington DC, the, the nation's capital and the homeless rate is just outrageous, you know, so I wanted to start this movement called the help movement. So I tell people like, if you want to do something like, uh, if you want to jump on the bandwagon, you know, be my guest. And like, if you post pictures or or do things like of that nature, just hashtag the help movement so you can get other people to see and other people to, you know, giving them ideas of what to do. So I was doing a lot of that for the community in Washington. And, um, you know, for last year, for Thanksgiving, I adopted a family, a mom with four kids, and I bought like all of their Thanksgiving dinner. And it's just things like that, I think, that um, got me police officer of the year. I, you know, I engage a lot with the community. With, with the alcoholics, with, with the drug addicts, you know, I just treat them like they're human beings. In my eyes, they're not, you know, they're not criminal. They're not alcoholics. They're not, um, they're, they're people with, with some type of mental health problem. You know, they're people that need help. And those are the people that, you know, I think we need to reach out to more. And I think that is why I got police officer of the year. What are the tours down there for the police officers? In New York, it's, uh, eight hours, 35 minutes, and you work five days on, two days off. Five days on, three days off. What's the Washington, D.C. Uh, police officer schedule? We do four days, ten hours, off three days. You like that schedule? I actually liked the eight hours, five days mm -hmm. more. Because, you know, like with boxing, eight hours and then I'm good. I can go to the gym. with uh, I'm fully energized. Now, after ten hours of work, and then, okay, let's say you have reports to do. So then that ends up being 11 hours of work. And then I'm going to the gym for like uh, three hours. It's like, it's kind of draining. I understand it's three days off with the four 10-hour days. 
But three days, one day you're cleaning. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're washing laundry. You, you know, it's, no, it's really not a day. You're resting. So it's not really like three days for real. With the eight hours, I think you're still, you know, eight hours out of a day is nothing. You still have, you know, a lot of energy to do other things that you want to do. Well, I wanted to ask you that. How do you fit in with the 10-hour schedules? How do you realistically fit in training? You know what? Everyone asks me that question. And I just, <laughs> I don't know how I do it. So on days where I work, let's say I have to be to work at 6 o'clock. All right. Okay. A.M. We're talking, are you day shift? 6 a.m. Okay. I'm day work. So if I have to be to work at 6 a.m., I'm getting up at 3. So I can work out for an hour and then go to work for 10 hours and then get off work and train for two and a half, three more hours. I'm so exhausted, but I make it work. I try to like go home and I try to get to sleep. Like I try to get straight in bed. I try to get right <laughs> into bed. I'm like, all right, I can get six hours. I'm good. I, if I'm getting seven, hallelujah, praise God. What uh, What's your eating schedule like with that? Because I know a lot of times, you know, eating can always – Listen, eating as a box is obviously so influential. You're working working out three or four hours a day. How are you eating? You you meal prep and you're bringing your food? I meal prep a lot. Like, I meal prep a lot. Most of the time in the morning, I'll eat – either I'll eat eggs or I'll eat oatmeal. You know, mm-hmm. those are my two go-tos, especially oatmeal. I love oatmeal. It's very good for you, and it keeps you full for quite a long time. You know, during lunch, I'll probably eat some either some baked chicken or some baked fish. I eat a lot of vegetables. I eat a lot of fruit. You know, and that's pretty much basically how I eat. I take uh, a lot of smoothies. DC, where you work? Good area, bad area, high crime rate, touristy? Where do you work? Man, DC, I work. Yeah, I hope I I work in a bad. Um, I, I hate I hate calling areas like bad neighborhoods bad, but I work in a high crime area. And are you? Yeah. I don't want to say respected down there because, you know, the whole nation, it's weird with the police officers, uh, communities, um, interaction. It's super weird, you know, like not that people hate cops, but it's always their worry of them. Police officers of the year are giving so much back and also being a professional boxer. Are you recognized? Do they respect you more? Do you have a better interaction with them? I have a great – actually, I have a great interaction with, like, the community that I serve. Uh, most of them know I'm the boxer uh-huh. and they call me officer friendly. A lot of them, like, follow me on social media. It trips me out when I come back to work and they know, like, what I've done over the weekend. <laughs> How do you guys know what I'm doing? And they're on my social media, you know, and it just it feel, it makes me feel great uh, when you have this guy. Like like a few months ago, I, I made this video of this, this young man. Well, he's not a man. He was a boy. He was like 10 years old and he was shot, murdered. And I made a video about it because it was heartfelt. I was sad because I knew the kid. And he was murdered. I made a video in my uniform and it went viral. Like all of the news outlets were were reposting it because I was in uniform and it was just a different look. A police officer actually speaking how we're affected by things that go on at work, you know, and it gave people a different outlook. You know, I'm a, I'm an officer, but I'm sitting here like emotional about this kid that was murdered, about all the violence in the neighborhoods. And this guy walks up to me one day I didn't know what what he was going to say you know but he walked up to me he had dreads he had long baggy pants like they were hanging off of his pants off of his you know off of his uh butt a little bit so I didn't know what he was going to say but he walks up to me and he's like you're that officer that I saw on the news and I saw your video all on Facebook when the kid got shot he was like I just want to say thank you 
and he shook my hand and I was like, wow, that made me feel so great that, you know, the community is seeing that, hey, I'm here for you. I'm an officer, yeah, but when I take off this uniform, I'm just Tierra. I'm not Officer Brown. You know, if I take off my uniform and walk around in everyday clothes, I'm just me. You don't know I'm a police officer. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, you know, I have a lot of respect from the community because I respect the community. Like I said, I was raised in um, in the ghetto, really. You know, I grew up in the hood. I remember when I was in middle school quite a few times, like uh, two or three doors down from my house, the SWAT team would be coming, kicking down my neighbor's door because, you know, we lived next to a drug house growing up. And, you know, that's just what I grew up seeing. So I, I like the area that I patrol because it reminds me of home. It reminds me that, you know, there are people in the neighborhood that they have nowhere else to go. This is the neighborhood that they grew up in because this is where they live. They have no, you know, they have no means to live anywhere else where the crime is lower, you know, where there's better, um, you know, living situations, eating situations. They just everyone's not blessed like that. What drives you to this point? Forget about being a nice person. It's the 3 a.m. workouts, the police work, the homeless stuff, making videos. What drives you just to be like a good person? Uh, I've always been this way. Like I, I, I've always been this way. I've always wanted to treat people the way that I want to be treated. You know, I grew up in a rough neighborhood. I lost my brother in 2010 to street violence. He was murdered. Um, I I take that with me everywhere I go, you know, everywhere I go, I take that with me. And so I want to better the community. You know, I remember growing up as a kid seeing sometimes we would see the cops drive past and we would run like, oh, we don't want to get stopped. (laughs) We we will run for no reason just because it's the cops, just because Mm -hmm. of the police, you know. And so that's why when I'm at work and like we may ride past someone and I just always speak. I always speak because I never want to be the officer that just walks past someone and that in that mind, in that person's mind, they're like, oh, you know, there's the police not going to speak. Oh, they're rude. You know, I always go out of my way, even if they don't speak back. Sometimes people don't speak back or they, you know, <laughs> they're looking at me like, oh, I'm crazy. Like, why is she talking to me? You know, what, whoa, what's she up to or something, you know, but I just want to be a different, a positive role model for the police department. And DC, the police down there, are they are they are they okay with it? They like the fact that you're out there, that you're on social media. Do they like that, or is it eh? 50-50? They, they love it. They love. They love it. Yeah. Oh, they really? love it because, yeah, they love it. They love it because they know I I just want to make a difference and bridge the gap between the police and the community. And they love it because I bring only positive light. You know, I, I every day I I like before I do anything, regardless if I'm at work. Even with my boxing career, I don't talk trash. I don't talk smack. I don't do anything like that because I have a reputation. I have a character that I like, and I don't want anything to blemish that. You know, as a person, especially as an officer, I don't want anything to, you know, bring negative vibes toward the police department. What made you choose? Because this is funny. You picked two of the most stressful jobs in the world. The police, you have to deal with. Obviously, it's super dangerous. (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, a lot of people don't like the police. Forget about Officer Brown in uniform. Yep. People, A lot of people, no matter what, aren't going to like you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then you're going to go fight in a ring where people can die. You get What made you choose two of the most stressful jobs in the whole world? I have no idea. <laughs> I feel like they chose me. You know, I'm like, I don't know. And I just go with the flow. Like, I have so many people ask me all the time, when are you going to? Uh, retire from being a cop and just be a full-time boxer, you know, or what will it take to get you 
to do just boxing. And I'm like, ah, I love both of my jobs, but I'm very passionate about being a police officer. I'm very passionate about being a boxer. I think they go hand in hand, and I wouldn't want to give up either one of them. How about coping-wise, coping mechanisms? Because I know in New York, a big thing probably down there is cop suicides and cops <clears throat> dealing with uh, drinking and stuff to try to relieve it. You're doing that, but your off time is in the ring fighting. How do you cope and manage both of them, juggle that? Yeah, so with stress from the job, that's really eliminated through boxing, right? <laughs> Any stress you have, you're going to fight somebody. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to bust the bag down or something like that. And then with boxing, boxing just doesn't even cause me stress. Boxing is just like, boxing is the love of my life. It caused me no stress. I j I'm just so hungry to be the best and get the belts and all of my weights and just become, you know, bigger than I am. But yes, the suicide rate in New York alone for police officers is so sad. You know, New York is such a big city and I can just imagine, like I, I watch the news, I look at, you know, stats and, you know, every time there's a suicide by, by, you know, police officer in New York, we get it on teletype. Mm -hmm. So we're, you know, it's just so horrible because we know what, what, what it is in a big city, New York. And it's just so sad. Some people don't have that, you know, relief, that release. Like, what am I going to do? Some officers don't have that. They come from work. They come home to a family of like three or five. And it's just like just pounding, pounding, pounding. They don't have any stress relief, you know. And you know what the biggest thing is, which I've always read about, is God forbid someone wants to kill themselves. It's like a whole thought out thing. How am I going to do it? Blah, blah, blah. With police officers, the gun's right there. So it's that instant of like. It can be over. They can end it so quickly. And that's always the biggest, the scariest thing for police officers. Yeah, it is. Now, it's so sad. Now, let's talk some good things. Three-time gold medalist. Where are your gold medals? My gold, they're in, this, in, in the house in a glass case. Oh, they're displayed though, right? You, know, you don't have them away. Uh, they're displayed? Yeah, and like, uh, yeah, my mom doesn't let me take them anymore. <laughs> See, and here's the difference between you and, and you have a belt too. Didn't you just win a belt? And that is in DC. Like I never, you know, I brought it here once, and my mom was like, "Yeah, um, I, I cleared out some space in the case." And I'm looking at her like, "This is going back with me. <laughs> this is not staying here." And no, you cannot. <laughs> when you box, is there a big turnout with all your cop friends? All the cops come. And the cops come. It's so wild. And what I love about that is. When the cops come out to my fights, they mingle with the community like it's nothing. There's no beef. There's no there's no animosity. There's no nothing. It's just a boxing family. Like everyone knows that half of the people that are there are cops. Mm -hmm. But it's not like oh well, we're not gonna do this or the cops are looking at these people like oh what are they doing? It's so awesome. It's so amazing when the chief of police comes out to my fights. Then I'm like oh I'm gonna destroy this girl. <laughs> Like the chief is here, the command staff here, all of my bosses are here. Oh, I'm going to inflict as much pain as possible on this girl. You know, I'm sorry. When you won the belt, did you wear it to work the next day? When I was off work, but I did take it and, you know, took it to the I even took it to the area that I patrol. Like everyone in the community was emailing me, tagging me on Instagram. Officer Brown, please bring the belt. Please bring the belt out here. You know, so I bought the belt and I went and I went around, you know, the neighborhoods taking pictures with the belt. You fought for the country. You won gold medal for the USA and you fought all over China, Hong Kong. You fought everywhere, right? 
I fought everywhere, man. What? I loved it, though. Representing the United States of America, putting on red, white, and blue, putting that flag on. I, that is what I miss about being an amateur. I miss being on Team USA because that is where I met most of my friends. Most of my friends do not live in America. Most of my friends are like Germany, Russia, mm-hmm. Poland, Australia, stuff like that, because I was on the USA team for so long that most of my friends are from different countries. You know, and I talk to them through Facebook chat or Instagram. You know, you can talk live like yeah. that. So I still these people, they send me stuff. I send them stuff. It's just it's it's great. What venue do you want to fight in? Is there a venue you like? I need to fight in where? I want to fight at the Barclays Center. Really? Over Madison Square Garden? That breaks my heart. But okay, tell me why. Because I've always went to the Barclays Center for fights, watching other people fight. Okay. And I'm like, I'm going to fight at the Barclays Center. One of these days, y'all going to be coming and watch me fight here. So that's your dream place. And you know what's crazy? Younger generation, like you're younger now. It's like Barclays, Jay-Z, Brooklyn. The older generation is like, oh, the world's most famous arena. But to fight now, Barclays is it. It's like it's kind of on the level of Vegas to some younger boxers. Yep, yep. yep. To us, like the Barclays. The Barclays. Mm-hmm. New York, big shiny lights, city never sleeps. It's always up. You yep. had over 100 amateur fights beyond decorated gold medals, medals all over. What made you want to turn professional? All right, so this is the – I'm going to give you the truth, you know. Okay. And I sh- I sugarcoat it a lot often. I beat around the bush often. But so when I was on the USA team, there was a lot of, uh, I don't know, favoritism. You know, I was in a small weight class. You know, they always look toward the bigger weight classes and stuff like that. And I just felt like regardless of how many gold medals I brought for them, it was never, you know, good enough. For, for for them. So when my best friend Raquel Miller, she's an undefeated fighter, uh, middleweight. She's at she has a belt as well. Uh, she was like, you know, she's tired of it. She's gonna turn pro. So then I was like, what? Pro? You gonna leave me? <laughs> you know. <laughs> my best friend left and turned pro. I was like, well, guess there's nothing left for me to do but turn pro too. And you know, it really, it really, it was hard for me to do because, like I said. I love being, I love representing the country. That's why a lot of people don't understand, like, with pro boxing, right? Like, one of my favorite boxers is Lomachenko. Of course. Lomo's amazing. Exactly. And he's not American, right? So when he fought Gary Russell, who is American, and I I know Gary Russell really, really good. You know, I know really, I, I chat with them. I go watch him fight. I had to go for Russell because he's American. That's how okay. I am. Okay. Very patriotic. Like being on the USA team for so long, regardless of how many friends I had in other countries, one of them would be fighting my teammate. So I was going for my teammate, regardless. Like, I love you. You're my friend, but this is my teammate. <laughs> we're representing, like, we're representing the flag. I'm sorry. This is country to country. We're, we're, we're battling here. You know, so I, I, I have that stuck in my mind still. So regardless of who... Who, who we, who, like, if I'm fighting against another country, it's me, ver- USA versus them. That's how I see it. Like, I fought against the Brazilian chick, like, uh, last month. In my mind, it was USA versus Brazil all day. You know, so when, when Gary Russell fought Lomachico, I had to go for Russell. You know, Lomachico, I love him so much. And it's funny because growing up, his favorite fighter, I'm not sure if a lot of people know, I know everything about Lomachico. His favorite boxer is Mike Tyson. And he thought, 
Mike Tyson was from Ukraine. No. Uh, like growing up, like when he said that, I was dying. <laughs> I was dying. This guy has T-shirts of Mike Tyson. He has like little uh action figures of Mike Tyson. And when like in an interview he did a long time ago, he was like, yeah, growing up the longest time, I thought he was from Ukraine. <laughs> I'm like, did you ever meet Momo yet or no? I I went to watch him fight twice when he when he's come over here in America. But I never got the chance to like go up to him and say, "Oh my gosh, I'm your biggest fan." You tell him you're Ukrainian too. Like I'm Ukrainian, like you, Lolo. <laughs> right, right. I'm I can be Ukrainian on the low, low. You know, it's cool. A question with though with, with both of your jobs in New York. Um, they have issues if you have like a second job. So if you have a second job, did they have an issue with your? Because it is a job, you get paid for it. Did they have an issue with you being a boxer as your second job? Well, no, because a lot of officers have. It's just unique. Yeah, most, you have a unique second yeah, job. A unique second job. Most officers have a second job where they're like doing security. Yeah. But I'm a whole different profession. I'm doing, you know, boxing. But they were cool with it. I filled out the part-time paperwork. You know, and you know they're they're pretty good with it. Ten and zero, six knockouts. When's your next fight? Hopefully, February. Oh, really? Yeah, hopefully in February I'll fight again. Do you have a possible venue where it would be? No, no venue yet. Just that it that I probably fight in in February. And now, how does it work now? Because I know you you with Luda Bella now, right? He's incredible, especially with women fighters. Right. Yeah, he's incredible with women fighters, too. He puts you guys in the forefront, which is incredible. How does it work now with you? Now, I've had a ton of boxers on. Do they call you up like, hey, we have a possible fight for you? Or, hey, these people are available. Who do you want to fight? How does that work for you? Yeah, so normally he, Lou will call and say, hey, we have um, we have, we have have uh, people reaching out about putting you on a card. And I'll be like, okay. And then he'll tell me the date. And they're like, okay, good. So then from there, they'll go about, like, uh, who's in my weight? Um, what do their rankings look like? It would it benefit me to fight them, you know? And then they'll ask me, and I'll say, yeah, I never turn down a fight. So it's all, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. You, you mentioned weight class. What weight do you walk around with, and what weight do you fight at? I fight at 126 to, to 130. I'm okay. super featherweight or featherweight. Um, but normally, like, when I'm trying to fight featherweight, 126, all my opponents – end up being like 132 so then it forces me to fight super feather it forces me to fight at 130 because i don't want to be coming in at 126 127 oh. and then they're heavy and then by the time we fight they're 135 or something because that's happened to me like the beginning of my career i'd get on the scale 126 they get on the scale 133 or something you know then it's like well <laughs> you know what the heck so lately i've been fighting 130 i can't wait to go back i'm gonna actually tell lou i like my next fight to be 126, but I walk around at like 137. I don't believe in walking around 15, 20 yeah. pounds over my weight. Most boxers do that, but me, I don't. I think it's discipline. I think you should always be ready within a 10 pound range. You know, you just never know when someone can want to fight or when a fight will, you know, present itself. And I just think physically. I think, uh, you know, being dedicated. And that whole discipline thing comes into play. I just don't because then you have boxers who are 30 pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. Then they're struggling to make weight. <laughs> then they're sluggish. Then they're like stress, stress. Stress is so terrible when it comes to boxing. I never want to be stressed about 
You know, first, that should be the first thing you're thinking about is weight. First cheat meal. After you, you, you finish boxing, you win the belt, what's your first cheat meal? What is your meal, your favorite food that you always shy away from, but now you're going to take a, a week off from training. What's your go-to meal? I love macaroni and cheese. Okay. <laughs> I love pizza. Oh, yeah. But Washington, D.C. pizza, that's not good. No. Now, New York pizza. Oh, I know. <laughs> and if you fight in Barclays, you go right there and you'll eat. That, see, that should be your goal, fighting Barclays and go right to the city and get some pizza. Go right to eat. After I fought in New York, uh, we fought in, where was I, in Brooklyn, I think, mm-hmm. my, my New York fight. I went looking for pizza. Yeah, I sure did. We went somewhere. I don't even remember the place. I was like, yeah, I'm going to eat. Did it live up to expectations? Oh, yeah. It always does. New York. Man, let me tell you how much I love food. New York food, to be specific. One weekend, I got on the Greyhound. I went to Times Square just to eat. I went to Times Square, walked around a little bit. I saw Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse. I hugged them, took some pictures. You know, I got into a taxi, went to the Bronx. Went to my favorite Dominican restaurant. It's called Cardida, right? Okay. Cardida. Ate. Got back in a taxi. Went back. Yeah. Got back on the on the uh, Greyhound. Came back to D.C. For food. I wasn't playing. <laughs> I was not joking. I didn't go to visit no one. No. I went to find my restaurant. They have this cake called Tres Leche. Of course. I'm trying to tell you, that cake, man, I took like 10 slices back. They're, 10, they're like $10 a slice. I took like 10 slices back. No lie. Right now, it seems that women in MMA, UFC, and boxing, if there's a women's match, you no, know, a few years ago, I was like, oh, there's a girls' match. That's how people would look at it. Now it's becoming more mainstream. Do you still feel there's a big hurdle that you have to go over as a women's fighter? Yes. There's so many obstacles still that we have to climb. We get paid like <laughs> – you know, I love boxing. I'm going to do it regardless. But the, we get paid, we get underpaid so much that it's ridiculous. Like, I'm a, I'm a world gold medalist. I was number one in the world as an amateur. The world, number one in the world, not the nation. Number one in the world, okay? And so that alone, I should be getting paid more. But, you know, as a woman, my, my six-rounders, like my eight-rounders, you can get guys with with, like, not as good resumes as mine for six rounders will get paid more than me, you know, and it's not fair, but I understand that people still aren't ready for women's boxing. You know, you still have people who don't think girls should be boxing, but major shout out to UFC and MMA. I love UFC. I love MMA. Let me rephrase that. I love watching UFC. I love watching (laughs) MMA. I'll never do it. I take my hats off to those women. They're awesome. They're savages. It's great. I love it. But I'm not going to do it. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. No, no. I just want to know where the, where, the, where the gloves are coming from. I don't want to watch for the elbows, the knees. I don't want to be choked out because I'm going to tap out. I don't want to do all that, but I love watching it. I love their determination, their grit, you know, and they have actually brought more uh, more of a fan base toward women's boxing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why I take my hat off to M- MMA, UFC, women fighters, because they're actually making the platform better for boxing. You have uh, MMA fighters who are not transitioning to boxing, but who are going to boxing gyms to learn a better stand-up game, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's bringing better attention to us. 
Now you have, you know, boxers who are transitioning to MMA. You have uh, Amanda Serrano. I love her. She's a champ. champ. Uh, Heather Hardy, another champion. They do, you know, UFC MMA now. Holly Holm, she went from boxing to, you know, UFC MMA. That's cool. You know, they're they're making that transition. I take my hat off to them. I love it. I'm not going to do it. But I, love <laughs> I still have to go to work, okay? I still have to be a police officer. I don't want to explain, hey, why is your, you know, why does your eye look like that? Like, no, no. Uh, well, How did you break your arm? No, no, uh-uh. Hey, is it true you spar with many men? Most of my sparring partners are men. And is that because no one's up to your level, or is that the truth? Yeah, something <laughs> if we're being truthful, that is some somewhat it, you know. Um, but I like sparring. There, like in the DMV area, there's not a lot of girls. The few girls that I do spar with, they are great competitors. Um, but most of my sparring partners are are guys my, either my weight or a little heavier than me, and it makes me fight tougher because they are they come to bring the pain. You know, they know that they have to take some power off of their punches, but they don't play around with me. They treat me like I'm a boxer. They don't treat me like I'm a female boxer. They treat me like I'm a boxer, and that's what I respect from them. Like, don't treat me like I'm a girl. Treat me like I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. I'm a boxer. You know, I don't like when people say, oh, you're a girl boxer. No, I'm a boxer. You don't tell guys, oh, you're a guy boxer. You're a boxer. You know, and I like fighting with the guys because they push me. They, you know, they try to dog me. I end up dogging most of them. (laughs) But they, they make me dig deep, and I like that. I'm obsessed with boxing nicknames. So every boxer I have on, nicknames, I'm like, why do you have that nickname? You need a better nickname. We're going to give you the Dark Menace. Do you like your nickname? I love that name, It's yeah. bad. It's a badass nickname. <laughs> so people are always like, you're always smiling. You're always happy. I've never seen you sad. But when you get in that ring, who are you? They're, they're like, man, you just turn into this whole, I, I just blank out. My whole mindset is search, destroy. I don't, and then as soon as the fight's over and they raise my hand, the smile is just back. It's like this. I can't control it. I can't turn it off and I can't turn it on. It's automatic, like automatically the day of the fight all day long. That's my mood. I can't play. I can't joke around. That's just my mood. I'm like, it's game time. I've trained hard. You're about to feel the dark menace. And then afterward, we can hug, we can kiss, you know, all that good stuff. But not before the fight. Mm-mm. All right, ready for a few quick questions? Quick question. Best, best boxing movie of all time? Ooh, best boxing movie? There are so many great boxing movies. Million Dollar Baby, The Fighter. But, you know, okay, of course you're going to – you know I'm going to say Rocky. <laughs> I'm beating around the bush thinking about all the other great boxing movies. But you know it's Rocky, all of them, all of the Rockies. You and I are at a bar. We're hanging out. Who's the coolest person in your phone that if you texted them, they would text you back? So I'm going to ask you a name drop, but who would text you back? The coolest person? The coolest person if you want to impress people at the bar. Oh, man. At the bar? It depends. Am I the officer tier or am I the boxer tier? The boxer. Give me the. Here we go. We're at a bar in New York City. And it was like, oh, this girl, you just want to fight at Barclays. Oh, she's 11 and 0. All right, but who's the coolest person right now you can get in touch with? 
Well, if I'm the boxer and everyone knows boxing, right now, you know, Clarissa Shields is hot. So yes. she'd be like, I can text her, she's going to reply. That's, you know what? That's a great everyone, answer. Everyone sees T-Rex and Netflix. You know, so they're always quick. You know, she is the, the phase of women boxing, of women's boxing right now. So, you know, going to have to say Clarissa. Fury or Wilder? They fight in two months. Not who you're rooting for. Who's going to win? Ooh. Which Fury are we getting? That's the million-dollar question. I'll tell you what I don't like as you think of the answer. I hate that he's at the college football game last night. I hate that he's doing the WWE stuff. His It seems like – and I could be way wrong. He just you know got rid of his like trainer. Wild. Yeah, why is he – you don't see Wilder. Wilder's like a man on a mission. So that's what – that's me yeah. personally why I'm thinking Wilder, but I want to hear your, your professional. Wilder all day. Wilder is the type of – when have you ever seen anything bad publicity yeah. in, about him? When have you ever seen Wilder out drunk, Wilder out getting high, Wilder out at the club fighting? Never. You see Wilder in the gym bringing pain to his farm partners in the gym, killing it, crushing it. This man is on a mission to be the best. I think Wilder all day because, and I'm rooting for him, yes, but also because of his training technique, his focus, his skill, his mindset, his determination, his will. He has drive. I've never seen him. I'm going to tell you something. This is what bothers me. And we're not going to get into race relations. You have an American fighter who's the heavyweight champion of the world, yeah. who's African-American, and you have a fighter who's white, who's not from America. You would think that every American would be so behind Wilder the same way that everyone in, you know, London and uh, Ireland and the UK. Yeah, and, and, and I'm always like, wow, I thought we want – like remember when Klitschko was champion, everyone, everyone loved him. I'm like, oh, shouldn't it be like every American should be going crazy for Wilder? Like, dude, we have an American champion. Forget about black, white, Asian. We have an American champion who is knocking out everyone. It bothers yeah. me that everyone's not so enamored with him and want him to like – own boxing and, and, and you notice like that goes back to what i said like i'm going to you see that flag back there i i see i and for people obviously this is an audio podcast but behind you is the is the bag and a huge american flag yeah i don't care who it is i don't care how long i've known them i do not care i am going for the american i don't care i don't care i'm going for the american because i'm going to tell you this what other country will you go to where they're not going to go for their hero? It's not going to happen. And that is what ticks me off. This is an American thing. Mm -hmm. We're in America, and we don't cheer for our athletes. We'll cheer for other teams, and that blows me so much. You don't even understand how mad I get because we're American, but yet you're so patriotic. You're so patriotic, but yet you're not going for the home team. How is How are you patriotic if you're not going for the American? Every American uh, sports fan should be going for Wilder, and they're not. You you hit it. You hit the nail on the head. I think it's it disgusts me because it's not black, white, Hispanic. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they were Italian, but they were an American. They're still an American, so I'm gonna go for that person. You know what I'm saying? Look, look at Joshua. Joshua's a black dude who's fighting in England. Everyone in England loves him. They don't care what him. I know it, yeah. it. It breaks my heart. And even like World Cup soccer, if you go to any other country, I'm a big traveler too. No matter who's playing, if that team's playing, here it's like you go to a bar. There's 50 different people with 50 different hats on. It's like, dude, just how do you not root for America for everything? How do you not? I don't get it. And that's why we're so divided. 
America is so divided. You know, it is black. It is white, Hispanic. Mm-hmm. It is, you know what I'm saying? It's all those, instead of being just American. Like, okay, I'm really good friends with, with boxers from Great Britain, right, that are black. They're just British. It's not <laughs> They're just British. You have Nicola Adams, who has her own Barbie now. What? She has a Barbie. A Barbie. It looks just like her. It's got boxing gloves and all that. They love her. You know, they cheer for her. It doesn't, doesn't matter if they're black, white. doesn't matter. She's, you know, but over here, it's all, you know, it's all this division, all this separation. And it's stupid. You're American. You're patriotic. Root for the home team. I don't care what it is. I don't care what sport. It could be a sport that I've never watched in my life. But if an American, yeah. But if the Americans are playing, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be cheering as if I know the sport. I'm gonna be cheering like I'm the biggest fan. Like I've been watching this sport all my life. I could, you, I probably don't even know how the scoring system goes. I probably don't know anything what side they're supposed to be playing on. But if that flag is risen, oh, I'm going for the American team. <laughs> last, last thing, are you a, a memorabilia person? Yes. A coolest piece of boxing memorabilia you have? Oh, man. And you know what? Let, let me finish up with this one. And coolest uh, boxer you ever met that you were like totally geeking out like, holy crap, I'm next to who? <clears throat> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's see. Coolest memorabilia. Okay, so one of the the silk she's actually a professional now. Her name is Sophia, and she's Russia's number one fighter. Okay, and she she actually fought against Katie Taylor in the Olympics. She won silver. She actually gave me her jacket. It's That's a car. great piece of memorabilia. Yeah, yeah, I, I man, it really means so much to me. I have that, and I've had it since 2012, and um. Yeah, I just think that's so awesome. And also, like, even when, when I graduated, not graduated, when I retired from the USA team, I have a friend, um, her name is Aziz. She's Germany's number one fighter. And she actually, like, last year, she actually was at a tournament overseas and saw one of the coaches, one of the USA coaches, and gave them something to give to me. And I, things like that are just so awesome to me. You know, it's just so, it's rad. So I think that jacket from the Olympics uh, that says Russia on it, that, that, that's probably my, yeah, my prized possession for memorabilia, memorabilia. But for coolest boxer, oh, my gosh. Okay, so coolest boxer that I've ever met. That made you, like, geek out. Like, you're like, holy crap, I'm with who? I'm with or I'm near them. Near them. Well, you're texting your friends like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm five feet from – Alright. <laughs> so, I don't know. So, one thing about me is, I give credit when it's due. You know, and I'm not the type of person where if someone's in my weight class, I throw them shade. I'm not throwing shade. You know, you're in my weight class. I, You can't control that. I can't control that either. But I... I geeked out when I met Amanda Serrano. I'm not even going to front. I did. Like, I geeked out. I geeked out. I was like, there she is. Oh, my gosh. You know, she she is, she's the man, you know, in, in women's boxing. You know, and she has she dominated so many weight classes. She has, you know, so many different belts. She's in 
all types of Hall of Fames. You know her. She's from New York. Of course. Um, yeah. And so I went to watch. I went to her and Heather Hardy's fight. Right. At, I the made garden, sure I went the, before the garden. I went there. And then when I saw her, I geeked out. I was like, yeah, she is. Oh, my God. And we took pictures. You know, it was awesome. So then when I came to fight in New York, guess who showed up? Oh, really? That's pretty bad. And then we took pictures. We hugged. And she was like, yeah, champ. She called me champ. She was like, yeah, champ. Of course I was going to come watch you fight. You came and watched us fight. I was like, oh, God. I'm geeking. And I see you wearing a a T-shirt that's branding your name. Do you sell merchandise or not yet? Yeah. So, yeah, so during my fights, uh, I get shirts made, and then we sell the shirts, and everyone's going wild and crazy over them. And I think it's so cool when, like, when people get their shirts in the mail, and then they take pictures, and they post them on social media. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's dope. That's me. Well, well, listen, here's what happens. Everyone who's ever came on my show, I think I've had, like, 150 or 160 guests. Like I said, if you're an astronaut, an author, an actor, no matter who you are, you have to send me something. Cool. I don't want an autographed picture. Either it's like hand wraps from a fight or something unique. So before your next fight, we'll talk more, and you have to send me up something. It goes on my wall with every all my other bo- – I got boxing gloves. I got everything. I'll send you a good picture of it, and you send me up something my way, all right? I'll send you something dope. No, no, yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah. Nate, I appreciate you doing this. Happy New Year. Get on. Have a safe flight back to D.C. and stay safe, all right? We're going to keep in touch. I appreciate you. Thank you. Have a this, happy New Year. This was an absolute blast. Thanks, champ. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.